Well, hello everybody. Um, just yeah, just want to bring um, our love down from or cross or up or whatever we've done from Brizzy West. Um, uh, we're meeting in the evening at the moment, so it's wonderful that we can come up here and be with you guys and get a double whammy on Sundays when we come up and visit you. So that's pretty awesome. Um, looking forward to catching up with a few more of you down in Sydney as well. We're setting off in the morning, bright and early after the rugby, which I believe is on fairly early um, tomorrow morning and. Uh, yeah, we had a message from Kirk on the way up, um, just text message in the car, and uh, just want to reiterate what you were sharing about what's going on down in, what has been going on down in Melbourne. I think he used the words, it's been outstanding, uh, what God has been doing and pouring out on the vineyard as they've gathered together. So isn't that wonderful? And uh, can't wait to, uh, to join in with what God's doing and to, to see Putty again. We're looking forward to that. Now, folks at the back, who am I talking to up there? We... What's your name? Jay? Excellent, Jay. We, got, um, we couldn't skip probably. Yeah, there we go. Um, teach us to pray. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Now, um, Simon, Andrew, Thomas, Matthew, do you recognize those names? They made up just a few, didn't they, of the group of the 12 disciples. Um, the young men who came from all those different walks of life to follow Jesus. Of course, the disciples. Now, these fellas weren't religious experts, <laughs> which is reassuring for most of us. They were quite young as well. They were just in their, in their late teens, early 20s, and um, they were completely sold out on following Jesus, weren't they? When they met Jesus, there was obviously something about him that they just couldn't resist, because when he called them, they dropped what they were doing and they left their trade, they left what was expected of them to, to, to go and be, to become um, his apprentices, which is what disciple means, isn't it? Or learner, which is what we are. And I think as they spent time with Jesus, they quickly realized, you know what? This guy seems to spend a lot of time praying. And it's not like anything we've seen before, because when he pray, prays, stuff seems to happen. He seems so confident that God's going to hear him. But at the same time, he's really dependent on God for everything. And so soon enough, they were just itching, weren't they, to find out a little bit more until they got brave enough to say, Lord, thanks, Jay, teach us to pray. And so I think as followers of Jesus, we want to be um, like this guy. We want to be like Jesus. We want our prayers to be answered. We want to be fully dependent on God in our prayer time. So although um, young and experienced, um, those disciples, they had enough wisdom, I think, to ask for help, which is we love to, um, you know, learn from the disciples because, you know, they get stuck in with Jesus. They make mistakes. They say stuff they might regret later on. But, but they, they're vulnerable. They're honest. They're, they're human. They're, they're a reality. And uh, they're not on a pedestal. We don't want to put them on one, but we want to learn from them. And they ask for help in prayer. How many here have done Pete Gregg's prayer course? It's an online course that you can do. We've done the course a couple of times at our church. It's a wonderful course. It's about six to eight weeks. And in it, Pete Gregg, who, who, who's the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement in the UK, and which has now gone global, he... Um, he busts a few myths around prayer. And the main one, I think, is 
let me put words in your mouth or, or words in your, in, your, in your head. He busts the myth that, um, let me get this right, that it's your tendency to think that everyone else prays more than you. When the truth is that we all need help when it comes to prayer. And so let's learn a little bit today. Um, Jesus was, was delighted, wasn't he, to, to answer this, this question when it was put to him there. And um, as we know, if we're looking at Jesus, he prayed in many, many different ways throughout the course of his life. And he demonstrated prayer. He taught about prayer through parables, um, through teaching. And of course, he prayed in many different ways himself. And so he invited the disciples to join him in prayer even though they let him down in that. And one thing, have you ever considered that even right now, Jesus is still waiting for answer to prayer? In fact, if we were to ask, what, he, what is Jesus doing now? What would the answer be? He's praying right now for us. Isn't that wonderful? Thanks, Jay. John Wimber's great for grabbing quotes. Now, I'm not really sure on the, con on, the, on, the, on the context of this quote, but this is what he says. The good news is that Jesus is praying for us. The bad news is that we're going to need it. <laughs> Don't you love that? I'd love to hear the rest of the message that he was teaching that day. Now, prayer is a huge topic, and uh, we're not going to be able to cover it all today. We've just got a few minutes together. But So I just, I'm coming really just to bring us an encouragement in prayer. And to, um, just a reminder of the importance of prayer and some simple pointers that we can take away just to become maybe more effective or constant <laughs> or joyful in our prayers. Now, Jonathan said to me something just as we were starting to worship. He said, I, th I feel like God wants, you know that worship song we were just singing about the name of Jesus? He said, just lean in and see what name Jesus is speaking to you about today that you, he might want to be ministering this message from today. And so I listened during worship, and the name that he spoke to me was El Roy, which means the God who sees me. I just want to lean into that a little bit today, the God who sees me. We just mentioned briefly there a little bit our story of how we ended up in this nation. And it started, well, I'm 50 this year, so 25 years ago. And I, so I was, I'm really, that's one math sum that I can do quite well. So I'm, I was 25 <laughs> at that point in time. Um, and um, I, Jonathan and I had responded to um, the call of God in prayer. And we, we came on an intercessory prayer journey. And uh, we were the youngest on that prayer journey by quite a few decades, I think. There's a few folks in their 40s. Most of them were in their 60s, 70s, and some even their 80s. And it was a seven-week tour. We only did three weeks of it. But we, um, which was completely remarkable, three weeks. I just want to really press into that today because now I know from, uh, we've visited with you guys many, for many years now. We've been doing the prayer retreats for quite a few years and we know that you guys have this real solid foundation in your church for prayer and intercession. And we, um, if you're allowed to be envious, I don't know, a little bit envious. <laughs> because we know that you guys 
I'll pray, warriors. And I just want to really lean in today to, to, to encourage those who are younger to take up that mantle in this church. Not to put aside you guys who I know um, and treasure, who have been praying for many years and will continue to do so until there's no more breath in your bodies. <laughs> but just to encourage the younger people here. You know, sometimes you go to services and people say, if you're under 25, stand up. I don't want to draw a line necessarily of where that 25 is, because you might be 26 and think, oh, no, I've missed out now. <laughs> as, we, as we learn about prayer now, I don't want you to write it off and go, well, that's for the old folk, and they know how to do it. I just want to encourage you that if you're a young person here, that God sees you, and he sees your heart. And listen in carefully today, because I believe that he might be calling you to learn how to pray and to press in to prayer and intercession. Because from my life experience, when we do that, we see some remarkable things. And God might just put you on a trajectory that you just didn't really realize. Maybe something on that vineyard global over there. Um, you might end up somewhere completely where you weren't really expecting it. And prayer can be the answer to open up that. Jonathan? You, can you say something? Yes, of course you can. So um, the Lord gave me a picture during worship. Um, I wonder if you know this story. It's out of Exodus 17, where Moses is up on the hill, and there's a battle going down in the valley against the Amalekites. Now, all these peoples, Gibeonites, Amalekites, you probably haven't got a clue who they are. The key thing is they were the enemy of God, and Moses was praying on the hillside. And what was happening is Moses has his hands up in the air praying. They would win the battle. As he would get tired and his hands would just fall down, they would start losing the battle. And there was two uh, people standing side by side. I think it was um, Aaron and Hur. And they just held Moses' hands up while he prayed and deceded. And they eventually prevailed and won the battle. And the Lord um, pronounced his name as Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my victory. And so when Helen started sharing this word, I just feel like this really is a word for you guys today. There's some people here who've been very faithful. But I feel like they're getting tired. Their arms are kind of beginning to droop because prayer is, um, it's not easy. <laughs> when John Wimber said we need it, it's because, you know, there's a battle to be fought. So I just want to encourage those, if you don't know how to pray, just come alongside those people who've got their hands up in the air and who are praying. I know every Saturday morning, I think you gather here together. And prayer now, it might not be your thing, but if you can just hold up somebody's arm, you're going to learn a lot around those people who are praying. And yeah, I just want to underline the word that the Lord's bringing through Helen today, that I think the Lord is joining old and young in this message. So I really encourage you, whether you're young or um, prayer's not your thing, maybe the Lord will speak through this specifically to you today. Great. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for that encouragement. That's exciting, isn't it? Thanks, Jay. Here's another quote from Martin Luther. Is it coming up? <laughs> to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Isn't that an amazing thought? 
Now, prayer is one of the foundational rhythms, isn't it, of our Christian walk. Um, and so, to put it quite simply, if, if you're following Jesus, you need to learn how to pray. And it needs to be part of your daily life experience. And if it's not, let me be bold enough to say, then you're in trouble. <laughs> in other words, you're not really experiencing, you know, that abundant life that Jesus came to bring. So, let's have a look at what is prayer. Now, did I do a slide for this? I'm, I've got confused because I've got two moments in my thing where I've put a slide up. Oh, what is prayer? That's a great slide, isn't it? Do you love that slide? Now, ultimately, thanks, Joe. There's probably one following. What, uh, prayer is ultimately a conversation with God, isn't it? If I was to ask you to discuss it, you'd probably come up with that. And um, it's a practice that God gives us to enable to connect with him. It's where we get to connect with God. And most importantly, if we wait long enough to listen. It's where he gets to speak to us and we get to hear him. We're paying attention. Um, Genesis 3, 8 reveals this wonderful picture, doesn't it? Genesis 3, um, Adam and Eva in this beautiful garden together, experiencing that, that relationship with God, that intimate relationship with God. And we have this picture, don't we, of God wanting to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day to engage in that personal conversation. We don't know how, for how many years or decades or centuries um, this conversation had been going on of an evening of, of them drawing together and, and having a conversation with one another. Um, but we do know that one day God comes, doesn't he, calling, and uh, can't find Adam. Adam is hid away from God because of his shame. We know that story. But God is calling to him, where are you? Where are you? It's a picture of friendship and intimacy. And I think still today, that's what God is calling to us. Where are you? And so he's longing, isn't he, for us to commune with him, to be real and honest. He wants us to turn to him throughout, throughout the day and to walk, to walk with him a while in the business of what we're doing. Now, one of the most remarkable things, I think, about our Christian faith is that God, you know, the God who created everything, everything that we can see, everything that we can't, the one who holds everything together, is waiting for a conversation with you right now. Isn't that amazing? And not only that, but that conversation is the means that God has chosen to use to see his rule and reign that we talk about through the breaking in of his kingdom, to see that happening here in our lived experience on the earth. Isn't that remarkable? It's what happens when we pray. Thanks, Jay. This is what Derek Prince says. He's a mighty prayer warrior. If you haven't heard of him, he's passed on now. But this is what he says. To know that almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, the ruler of the whole universe has his ear open to our personal, individual prayer that he will do what we ask him to do individually is one of the most exciting experiences anyone can have. Sounds amazing. But still, we struggle, don't we? We struggle to pray. And some even ask, why should we pray? So let's have a look at why prayer is so important. I've got quite a few points saying we're going we're gonna to run through them. The first one, thanks, Jay. Um, well, God calls us to pray. And he calls us to pray in every situation without ceasing and without giving up. 
That's where it gets hard, isn't it? (laughs) So our Heavenly Father, he wants us to talk to him regularly, continually, and persistently. There's something that Jonathan and I are walking in in at the moment is persistence and perseverance um, in, in our prayer life and in our life in following God. So prayer isn't just a good idea for the super spiritual, but it should actually be our daily bread and butter. And to not pray is to neglect our relationship with God. So if I was going to ask you today, how's your walk with God going? And then I was to ask you, how's your prayer life? Maybe those two things reflect on one another. Thanks, Jay. Another reason to pray, Jesus prioritized prayer and we're following him. Now, Jesus made this communion with God one of the most important, well, the first priority, actually, in his life, didn't he? In the Gospels, there are 17 references to Jesus' personal, active prayer life. And his approach to prayer was intentional and disciplined, which is a challenge for us, isn't it? So we know he got up early, he went off to a quiet place, didn't he, to be alone with the Father. And um, we see that throughout the Gospels. Um, I've referenced Mark chapter 1 here. Um, he demonstrated the importance of prayer through before making big decisions, um, before enduring times of testing. Um, he invited his friends to support him in prayer, which is quite amazing. You'd think that Jesus could do anything whenever he likes, but he needs support in prayer too. Because he's just like me and you. So if the Son of God prioritized prayer, how much more should we? Thanks, Jay. Um, Our Heavenly Father rewards us when we pray. Now, Jesus teaches that the Father gives good gifts to those who ask him. And that's in, in Matthew 7, verse 11. And one of the good gifts of prayer is that it actually changes us. Begins to change us from the inside out. And as we learn to pray and as we get into communion with with prayer with God, we begin to realize that what we might have started out asking for begins to change and transform as God um, transforms our hearts to want to desire what's in his heart. And that's one of the good gifts of God as we begin to pray. Number four, prayer is one of the most loving things that we can do for someone. I'm sure you've experienced that, and I know you guys have a vibrant prayer life here, and you frequently have prayer and ministry times on Sunday, and with people that you meet in your daily walk. Graham, the, um, the founding pastor of, of Vineyard Brizzy West, he had a saying that was his favorite, and I'm sure you're very familiar with it, seven words, can I pray for you right now? Often if you talk to someone who's not a Christian and you offer to pray for them, they go, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But when you put the right now there, that often takes them aback. And they're like, what now? We're going to pray now? So don't leave it at five. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? It's one of the most loving things that we can do. Praying for others, I think, opens our heart with compassion, the compassion of God for that person when we step in to pray for them. We begin to see people through God's eyes, not our own. We know that Jesus was often moved with compassion before he prayed and ministered. And I think people feel the love of God when we pray for them. Particularly people who aren't used to that and they're not really expecting it. 
They long to experience that caring touch of the Father without realizing. And when we pray, we become a conduit for God's compassion to be felt. I was praying for um, a few weeks ago, well, last month, we went down to see Ken Fish down at the, Gold, um, at the North, where was it? northern New South Wales. And uh, down there at Cabarita Beach, we were just grabbing a kebab, and there was this lady, and she had a sore shoulder, and she was trying to do her kebabs, but she was busy at work, and I, and I saw her doing this with her shoulder, and I thought, oh, she, she looks like she could do with pray, someone to pray for her. But I thought, oh, drat, I've noticed it now. Um, <laughs> I can't eat my kebab in peace. Anyway, she was quite um, busy, so I, I had to deal with God. I said, okay, well... If I see her on my way back, you know, I'll pray for her then. Well, so happens that we went to the beach, enjoyed our kebabs. When we walked back, there she was sitting, rather strangely, outside of the shop by herself on a chair. She kind of set up healing on the streets, you know, for herself without even realizing it. <laughs> so I said to God, okay then. So we stopped and prayed for her. And uh, she was a Muslim lady. And so I thought it was really important to remind her that I was praying in the name of Jesus. And... Um, she, as I began to pray for her, I just, she just, I just saw in her face, she just relaxed, she just received that love as I began to pray. She wasn't really expecting it. And so that's what happens when we get to pray for people. I was praying for my neighbor one day, and um, this makes it sound like I do this kind of thing all the time, but it was quite a, um, an intense moment for me, because this guy was very needy, and he was the father of my daughter's friend, so somebody that I was going to encounter again, not somebody that I was going to meet one day and then not see again. Um, but I had a word from him that was a prophetic word that had been given actually by Ken Fish again um, for my neighbor, which is a big story. I know these things happen. Um, anyway, so I went over in obedience to give this word to, to, this, to this fella, and um, as, I, as I started to pray for him, he just began to cry. And I said to him, my family, pray for your family. And the, and the tears just, just started to roll down. So prayer is one of the most loving things that we can do for someone. Um, thanks, Jay. Number five, God uses our prayers to accomplish his will. So through prayer, God partners with us to be involved in his work that goes on forever. Isn't that an amazing thought? So when we pray, we participate in God's will being accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that an amazing privilege? I said that I was hoping to encourage you today. I hope that one does. So we need to pray with expectation and faith to believe that God brings great change in response to our prayers. And can I share in my life, he did that for me. Thanks, Jay. The evangelist um, E. Bauman, he said, search for a person who claims to have found Christ apart from someone else's prayer and your search may go on forever. That was Jonathan's experience. He had an auntie praying for him on the other side of the country since he was a little boy, and he found Jesus when he was 20. Same thing happened to me when I was 21. I was in a relationship that wasn't, um, wasn't right, and I was going off on my own way, even though I was a Christian. And my, my two sisters and a friend joined together, pray for three months for me every day. And at 21, I walked away from that relationship and back into the arms of God. Prayer is powerful. Oh, that was my next point. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> prayer is powerful and effective. We read, don't we, in James, prayer has great power as it is working. 
And so knowing that God has delegated his power to work in and through us by the Holy Spirit as we're praying according to his will, once we grasp that, we learn how to pray in confidence and with authority because that's how God wants to use us. Thanks, Jay. Number seven, prayer gives God glory. God always hears the prayers of his children and he answers with what we need at the right time. And so when ordinary people depend on an extraordinary God, it's God that gets the glory. So when we see God answering our prayers, it's really important, isn't it, to remember to give thanks and to testify about what he's been doing. I think sometimes we can forget to do that. But it's really amazing to remember in our stories with one another and with people who don't know Jesus, oh, I prayed for you. I was praying for that. And that becomes a story, and we can begin to bring glory. God gets the glory of that, not in the fact that we've been praying, but God has answered the prayer. So let's remember to be people who thank him. Thanks, Jay. And that leads on to the next point. Prayer keeps us thankful. Are we keeping up? Yeah, prayer keeps us thankful. So prayer is a way that we can pause in our own lives and give thanks to God for all the blessings that he showers on us. And uh, Paul, isn't he? He's a wonderful example of someone with a thankful heart. His story is just stunning, isn't he? From someone who was grabbing Christians around the neck and, and dragging them off to court and stone them to someone who met Jesus on the road. He knew how to be thankful. And his writing, isn't it, is chock full of prayer. And most of those prayers are full of thanks. And so Paul's a wonderful example to us of how we can, um, we can be thankful people and thankful prayers. In Colossians 4, verse 2 to 4, there, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Number nine. Thanks, Jay. Even when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit helps us. I'm sure we've experienced that. Well, let's look at Romans 8, 26 here. As, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray but the Holy Spirit prays for us and through us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. God's got a lot of it covered, hasn't he? Even when we don't know what to pray. Max Lucado, thanks Jay, he says this, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Worth remembering, isn't it? So even when we might feel weak and all we can actually say is help, that's one of my best favorite prayers, <laughs> help. We're inviting God to come in and do what we can't. If we carry on in our own strength, we're not going to get very far. Um, number 10, thanks, Jay. We pray with faith and persistence, knowing that God is a good father. Jesus teaches, doesn't he, in Matthew 7, 7, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks the door is opened. So let's not, oh, that was two knocks. Let's not, not knock once. 
that's hard to say, <laughs> and give up. But let's keep asking. We've, we've taught on prayer before at our church, as I'm sure you have many, many times here too. You know, and one, one of the ladies in our church, she shares the story of her husband who wasn't a Christian and her mum had become a Christian. And um, she prayed, was it 17? I think 17 years for her, for her husband, so the lady in our church's dad, to become a Christian, and he did find Jesus. 17 years, that's persistence, isn't it? And there's some other great stories like that, I'm sure, that you could share of your own, of persisting in prayer. Jesus also says, you parents, if, you, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? This is what Charles Spurgeon says. Whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Have you thought about that? Asking is the rule of the kingdom. How many times are we frustrated because we don't see God doing what we want him to do? But we've forgotten to ask him. <laughs> so God really does have it all covered, doesn't he? Now prayer holds a central part, doesn't it, in the heart of the vineyard movement. I've got a slide written on here, Joe, but I don't know what the next one is. What is it? Surprise myself. What's the next slide? Oh, that was just the list of what we covered. <laughs> Isn't that great? I hope that's been encouraging for you today. But yeah, prayer is at the heart of our movement in the vineyard, isn't it? And as we've seen, it's a tool that God has given us to enable us to see his kingdom breaking in. And that's what we're all about. We want to pursue Jesus and we want to see his kingdom rule and reign um, in the lives of ourselves and our community and those all around us. And so as a movement, we've grappled, haven't we, in faith with seeing that demonstration of the kingdom in our lives within that framework of the now and the not yet. So we're praying, aren't we, for God's kingdom to break in. Sometimes we don't see it coming, but that's what we're doing. And we're holding intention um, that, that time when we know that Jesus is going to return and all things will be made new. So we've got this, this tension that we're living in all the time as kingdom people. And so what we're doing between those two events, between now and seeing the fullness. What are we doing? Praying. <laughs> We're praying. That's what God's given us to do. Praying with faith and persistence. Now, thanks, Jay. I've just put together here the values that um, we have as a vineyard movement that are inspiring us, that inform our actions, that create our culture in the vineyard. And all of these, when you think about it, are outworked through prayer. What Carol was sharing this morning, you know, um, about and that compassion ministry, how we can engage in compassionate ministry. We're praying and God stirs our hearts and then we think, yeah, I want to give to this because this is important and this is who we are. So um, if you want to know more about these values, you can go onto the, the website, of course, but um, partnering with the Holy Spirit, we do that through prayer. Engaging in worship, experiencing God, we're doing that through prayer. Reconciling people with God and all creation through prayer. Engaging in compassionate ministry and pursuing culturally relevant mission in the world. You can't do any of those things if you're not praying. 
Of course, our movement as well is, is famous, isn't it, for the five-step prayer model. Who can remember the five-step prayer model? I'm going to put you on the spot now. <laughs> John Wimber, didn't he, um, taught us and began to equip us in order to begin to understand our authority and begin to be able to pray, stand and pray um, for prayer and deliverance and to see people set free from oppression through the five-step prayer model. So these things are precious to us as Christians who are following Jesus and also as a vineyard movement. So we've covered, you know, why we should pray. We've highlighted how essential prayer is to live out our values as a movement. But the question that we haven't quite answered yet at the beginning is how. <laughs> now, if we turn to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, we're going to, we're going to learn, aren't we? Because this is how Jesus answered that question that day. So thanks, Jay. So um, this is Eugene Peters, Peterson's um, translation of this past part of the Lord's Prayer, or the, that whole conversation. And he starts off, I love this, pray with simplicity. That's easy, right? <laughs> we can pray with simplicity. Here's what I want you to do. This is Eugene's words from Jesus' mouth. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. <laughs> we can do that, can't we? The focus will shift from you to God. I love that. You begin to sense him with you. Not trying to tick a box, have I done my, have I done my quiet time, can I go... <laughs> but sensing God's presence with us. So why don't we do that now as we go through the Lord's Prayer together. I've used the New, New Living Translation here, so if you've got a different translation, it might be a little bit different from what you're used to, but this is the one that, that I've been using of late. So thanks, Jay. This is the Lord's Prayer, the first, first one. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I would like to credit um, the prayer course with some of these thoughts because um, Pete Gregg pulls this together. Wonderfully, the prayer course basically is the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, developed and um, expanded um, or filled out more um, on the prayer course. And so if we look at this, we're looking at adoration, really. Jesus' prayer guides us to get everything into perspective as we begin to pray, that we're addressing God who is the creator of the heavens and all the things that we can see, as we mentioned before. And so this amazing God is also our Father. That's why we say our Father. And then the prayer is also to be prayed in community, our Father. So we lift him up together, and it glorifies his name, and that causes others to turn to him, which we see in Jesus' prayer in John 17. So we lift our eyes to our Father in heaven, and we get everything into perspective. Thanks, Jay. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is where we get to do that wonderful thing that we all love doing, submitting to God. Your will be done. Your, your kingdom come, your will be done as, on earth as it is in heaven. So we, again, Jesus is guiding us to begin to see things from God's perspective and not our own. Because in the heavenly realm, God's will is perfectly done Whereas on earth, we all know it's a battle. So Jesus is teaching us here to press in in faith. 
asking God to align our will with his and to see his kingdom rule and reign breaking in. Thanks, Jay. Give us today our daily bread. This is the petition part of the prayer where we come asking God for things. And Jesus, in doing this, he's reminding us, isn't he? This is a daily prayer, our daily bread. If you just had bread well yesterday and you haven't had any yet today, you'd know about it, wouldn't you? So it's a daily prayer, a daily conversation with God. We see here that the outworking of our relationship is to invest daily, asking God to provide for all of our needs. This next one, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our our debtors. That's a new living translation of that. You might be more familiar with keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. That's how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. So forgiveness, (laughs) this is a big one, isn't it? Forgiving is a big deal. We know that because we've been forgiven but we need to be reminded to keep forgiving others. So Jesus has put this in the prayer, so he's highlighting, you know, the importance of revisiting forgiveness every day because this is a daily prayer. And I think that's something that we we can sometimes forget. And it's so key, actually, that after he's finished teaching the disciples this prayer, he actually spends a little bit more time developing this thought. So thanks, Jay. In the message we read... This is after the Lord's Prayer, but directly in the verses following. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without forgiving, also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. So how important then is it for us not to skip through this part of the Lord's Prayer, but to stop and pause and ask God, Remind me, is there something that I have got caught in my heart that I need to give over to you and release forgiveness? Or forgiving ourselves even at times. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but let's not get stuck on this part or skip over it. But let's take it seriously and keep that account short with God. Forgiveness is powerful, isn't it? Because it can free us and it can free others from years of bondage by releasing that forgiveness. Okay, thanks, Jay. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus wraps up the prayer by, again, reminding us that we are in a spiritual battle, but that God is here to help us, to strengthen us in our weaknesses and to protect us from the enemy. And we know that Jesus himself experienced, didn't he, temptation and the attempts of the enemy to take his life on a number of occasions. And Jesus is teaching us that we're going to face the same. But God works through us and through the authority that he's given us to stand against the enemy's work in our lives. And so again, this is a daily thing. This is a daily battle. This is a daily stand that we are taking. You know, at times, we might need more help in this area. And so I'd just encourage you, if you're finding that you're in a battle and you're feeling oppressed and and you can't get out of it, then get help from other people who are able to stand with you and pray. Because the enemy wants to keep us trapped and isolated. But we are here for one another. Remember, it's our Father. So let's not hide away in shame or, or not know what to do. But if we're feeling that enemy's attack, then let's get together and pray. 
that we can stand against the enemy's work. Okay, thanks, Jay. This is my last quote from Martin Luther again. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. And that's what we've been called to do. So let's not underestimate the power of prayer or this simple Lord's Prayer to equip us and help us to understand when we get on our knees and when we press in and pray with God, then amazing things begin to happen. So we've packed in quite a lot here today, haven't we? Probably not new things for most of you, but I think it's always good to have a reminder of what we can achieve on a daily basis when we begin to partner with God in prayer.